thank you for listening to this St. Louis on the Air podcast brought to you by Lindenwood University's Hammond Institute for Free Enterprise. Examining market approaches to help solve economic and social issues, Hammond.Institute. Welcome to St. Louis on the Air. I'm Don Marsh. Today's fire departments are more than just about fighting fires anymore. There's a whole range of responsibilities and services they provide designed to keep us and firefighters safe. We're talking about that today with two people who know this better than most, St. Louis City Fire Chief Dennis Jenkerson and Public Information Officer Captain Garen Mosby. Gentlemen, nice to see you. Welcome back. Good afternoon. It is good to be back, John. Well, I'll tell you, I'd like to start with what's more or less breaking news these days. Chief, start with you. Um, that's this whole better together thing that everybody's talking about. You, you shake your head. What do you think? I mean, you'd be impacted if this thing ever ever happens. Right. We've been involved with some of the discussions for the last couple of years, um, looking at a different way, a newer way, a better way to maybe provide services to the area. Um, I think most of the fire departments in our area, we've got 42 different departments, whether they're districts or munis, are pretty coordinated. I mean, we do make a concerted effort to uh, look at each other's operating procedures and guidelines and see what we can improve. And we've been doing this for years. Um, all of the fire departments in the area have, a, have signed a mutual aid agreement and also something new we have a um, an automatic aid agreement where a lot of the cities that are municipalities that say are on our fringe of the city we don't even have to call for mutual aid it's automatic if they happen to be closer to a house fire they come in and assist us and vice versa if we have, if, if we have a call for a fire in a house in Clayton we automatically get dispatched whether it's Clayton Richmond Heights you know any of our surrounding uh, border cities so we've been doing this for a while so they're uh, the fire departments understand the need for better coordination. Are you saying that you don't think they need to, there doesn't need to be consolidation of the departments, one big fire department? You know, I think it's, you know, when you look at the big pie in the sky and if you had to start over and build a fire service or a fire authority, mm-hmm. I think it would be a better option to have one big fire service. You know, it, it's, we have quite a few departments in the area that are single station you know, you know, big chief, assistant chief, and uh, eight, nine, ten, twelve firefighters. Is that the ideal way to run a fire service? Mm. Probably not. So. What What would happen to you if this thing? Would you be the Would you be the fire chief for the entire big mega city? You know, I think they changed uh, some of their uh, strategy, if you will, in regards to this better together. They moved into uh, on initial reading. It looks like they want to make the St. Louis City Fire Department a fire district. Uh-huh. So, and I think I've got some concerns there, you know, because you get into some of the funding issues of a big department, and we are a big department. We're the biggest in the region. So uh, I'm, I'm not 100% convinced that we've really looked at all of the, uh, the small things that we do on the fire side in the city of St. Louis. Mm-hmm. I mean, I've got 30 firehouses in the city. I got two at the airport. We've got an EMS headquarters, a fire department headquarters. You know, just looking at the utility cost of those buildings alone is enough to make your eyes cross. Yeah. Garen, I assume that you're getting a lot of questions about this uh, these days. You know, to be honest, not really. Really? No, no. Uh, I don't think the fire departments have been as involved. Uh, so, no, no. And I'm, and I'm okay with that. <laughs> I'll bet you are. Although you always answer the questions that are asked of you very, very well. Thank you. Thank yeah. you. 
the uh, other question I wanted to ask concerned this uh, this plane that's been landing in, in the river. <laughs> uh, we laugh at it, but uh, it, it shook up a whole bunch of people. I'm, I'm sure, Garen, you've been getting questions on that. So we, we did get a number of phone calls. I remember when the uh, call came in, I was on the first floor of headquarters. Yeah. And uh, the EMS dispatcher actually informed me, and I, I'm sorry, you, you said what? We have a plane into the what? <laughs> and it came out initially that we had a plane into the Stan Musial Bridge. So I ran upstairs and into the chief's office, and he was actually on the phone getting the same call. And in his conversation, we have a crane? Like, no, no, no. We have a plane into the bridge. So we responded. Uh, you know, we sent our Marine Rescue Task Force and a land-based response. So you've got 45 firefighters moving. I think uh, one of the stations described it as scrambled. Uh, and it was, it was a bit of a scramble. Uh, you know, it's not every day that you get that, that report. Uh, but, you know, eventually we found out that we had an amphibious plane that intentionally uh, landed in the water, and we weren't aware that was going to happen. So just the, in the response, you know, I got to respond with the chief, so just the conversation in response of the potential uh, for concern. You know, you have, a, you have a bridge. Obviously, it's 3 o'clock in the afternoon, a number of people across the bridge, uh, perhaps school buses. You know, if a plane did hit the bridge, what's the, the structural integrity of the bridge? How big of a plane are we talking? Is this an attack? So just a number of things, uh, you know, was going through our minds is the pre-arrival. Sure. But Chief, this has got to be as troublesome or perhaps more so than a false alarm. I mean, this, Garen just said, everybody's scrambling to deal with a potential uh, catastrophe down there on the riverfront, and there's no problem. Right. Um, the gentleman who was flying the aircraft said that he had uh, clearance from FAA. Mm-hmm. Okay, that's all good and well, but we deal with the Coast Guard. Uh, there's a lot of commerce that happens up and down on that river every day, from tugboats to barges. Um, we have commercial boats on that river every day. You know, and this becomes an issue with what's this guy doing? Who is he? What's he carrying? Who's he in contact with? You know, and people who don't know this river, I mean, the amount of uh, trees and logs and, and debris that go up and down the river are an issue, which I don't think he had thought about. Um, the people who are going back and forth to work, home, and traveling on the bridges, they see a plane touch down in the river. Most of them are thinking it crashed. Mm-hmm. So uh, we're, we receive multiple texts, multiple calls. Here's the issue. Um, and he, he was uh, under the uh, assumption that I didn't do anything wrong. Well, we had a good conversation. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> I compare it to Fair St. Louis. When we have an air show down the river, there's a flight box that's put in place in between the bridges. The planes have to, you know, stay with inside this flight box and they can't get this close to the bridges that's an issue but the people know there's a flight show people didn't know what was going on here so after a few discussions with the gentleman uh, we came to an understanding that now he's going to conduct all of his operations north of the 270 bridge or south of the jb bridge well the the, uh i think he was just promoting the plane wasn't he He was just trying to get some attention for this particular type of uh, aircraft you're exactly right the um i did a little bit of research on the aircraft and the first thing that popped up when we did it was uh there was actually a a fairly well-known professional athlete who died piloting one of these planes um, halliday from the Philadelphia Phillies died in the plane. So that was about oh, four or five years ago. Yeah, yeah I remember that now. Same plane. Yeah. Uh-huh. So. 
Well, now he's going to be downriver somewhere and, and doing it where he won't have as big an audience, but at least he won't be bothering, uh, bothering you guys. Exactly. You know, in having this conversation and uh, split between you two uh, gentlemen here, it really brings to mind there's so many things that the fire department does that people don't realize. I mean, you, you have so many different areas of responsibility. Uh, Garen, just give us some idea of some of the things people probably don't know about. Well, you know, we... we you always see on, on the various television shows the firefighters getting the cat out of the tree. Uh, <laughs> be, beyond what you know we do, uh, I don't think I fully comprehend everything we do because as new things arrive or arise, uh, we're just the outside-of-the-box entity people call when they don't know who to call. Mm -hmm. If it's 3 o'clock in the morning, and, and I'm not encouraging folks to do this, but uh, you know, a senior's thermostat isn't working properly, and, you know, she can't call herself. The fire department feels that call. And it's it's nothing that we would come on a show and talk about ordinarily, but there are so many different circumstances where people, you know, you just don't know who to call. It's not a law enforcement matter. Uh, it's in the middle mm -hmm. of the night. The fire department often comes out and takes care of whatever it is. And, you know, we partner with Heat Up St. Louis. Just getting off, the, before we came in, the chief indicated that they uh, – raised a, a new high, I think it was 570, I don't want to misquote that, we'll get the right mm -hmm. number, mm -hmm. but, you know, partnering with them, that's one of the things this past summer, uh, I remember responding with a company at three o'clock in the morning, uh, it was 90, upper 90 degrees in this senior's home, mm -hmm. and for whatever reason, we got the information at three o'clock in the morning, and we dispatched a pumper, and I went and got the air conditioner, met them there, and we happily, and I, I say happily, you know, it's, it, it is 3 o'clock in the morning, but we're a 24-hour operation, and we, we put the air conditioner in, and she was certainly pleased. So really anything outside of the norm where you just don't know who to call the fire department, and this is just not just here in St. Louis. It's what the fire service is around the world. We, we fit in those little gaps where you don't know who to call. And that the number, it was $571,000 was raised uh, with the Hardee's Rise and Shine, the 19th annual fundraiser uh, with Heat Up St. Louis. So that's just one of the examples of some of the many things that, that we do that, you know, beyond putting out fires or, you know, a medical call, a car accident, just the, the things that you ordinarily associate the fire department with. One of the things that uh, is there's not a normal association except for people within the department, Chief, and that is y your interest in, in cancer, cancer prevention, cancer detection. I mean, that's, that's a big thing for firefighters, isn't it? Why? You know, over the past several years, we've been watching uh, some of the cancer, uh, the different diseases that have been affecting the different firefighters across the country. Boston did a big study on it, and we found out over... Uh, Probably the past 10, 15 years, the changes in the health and conditions of the fire department have really grown towards a lot of, a lot of these guys are getting cancers, about nine to 10 different certain type of cancers. And we've basically tied it to the new products that we see in the homes. Um, and I, I can honestly say that lung cancers isn't high on the list. Guys are wearing the SCBAs, our, our breathing mask, if you will. They're well aware of all the hazards <clears throat> involved with inhaling the smoke. But if you look around your home, you look around this office, Everything in here now is man-made. You know, it's all plastics and, you know, yeah. it, it's all formicas, the, the carpeting, the furniture, the ceiling tiles, all the plastic on the cables. Everything, when it burns, is a carcinogen. And we're seeing that now affect the health of the firefighters. You know, over the past about 18 months to two years, we've lost five firefighters in the city of St. Louis to brain wow. cancer, gastrointestinal cancers. And 
to change that culture and how we handle our clothing, our coats, our helmets, our gloves. It's a big culture change, mm-hmm. and we've been working on that for about two years right now. And we actually brought every firefighter in and went through a full cancer program. And we said, here's what's causing it. We know what's causing it. We've got to fix it. We've, a, a, a dirty firefighter huh. is not the seasoned veteran. That's, we have to eliminate that look, that, you know, yeah. that facade, if you will. So we've got to stay clean. So it's a matter of uh, we just passed an initiative through, with the help of a federal grant and also the St. Louis Fire Department Foundation to provide every firefighter with a second set of gear, PPE. And that's about $1,500 a set. So we got about a $600,000 grant, of which the St. Louis Foundation picked up about $60,000 worth. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's, we're changing the culture. All the fire departments are going through it. Yeah. Karen, I would think that this one would have sneaked up on you. I mean, all of a sudden you realize, hey, wait a minute, what's going on here? All of a sudden we've got a lot of people with cancer. Right. When, when you look back <clears throat> on the years, uh, you know, we've lost firefighters through the years. But like the chief said, now uh, so many more products uh, so many more chemicals are being developed every day, and when these things burn, you know, we, you just don't know what the byproduct is necessarily. I had the opportunity to speak at the, I think it was the Leukemia and Lymphomia Society, and in my opening remarks, I, I told the audience that, you know, 22% of average, average Americans will, you know, uh, come down with some form of cancer. 60% of firefighters with at least 10 years of service will be diagnosed with some form of cancer. And you can hear the collective gas from the audience. But when you look at the sheer numbers uh, and now the research, you know, everything's catching up. And like the chief said, we have to make an immediate change. And the one thing I can tell you about the fire service, changing the culture is very challenging. You know, you watch a movie, go back to Backdraft or Ladder 40, was Ladder 47, 49, uh, you know, the dirty firefighter coming out of the building. That's what everyone's, well, that's the heroic figure that we're after. Mm-hmm. And the gear, you know, my helmet, you know, it's been a few years since I've been on a truck, but, you know, the, the cool thing was to have a dirty helmet. Well, not anymore. The clean helmet, mm-hmm. you know, we don't want to see your, your, your war wounds or your battles on your helmet or your coat. We have to stay clean. Yeah. The last time the last time we talked, you were on a truck that you got off of just in time to avoid a real serious <laughs> issue, as I recall. <laughs> I got away just in the nick of time. A wall collapse. Yes, uh, sir. Truck. Yes, sir. Yeah. yeah. Well, this is, a, you know, a really interesting uh, aspect of the firefighting uh, business, if you will, talking about this kind of uh, safety issue. What about other safety concerns? I mean, obviously, I think actuarially that the firefighting is the uh, most dangerous job in the country. Is that still the case? You know, that's a great statement, and I'm going to add something to that. I was listening to a radio program last week, different station. Wait a minute. I don't know if we can go on. I know. (laughs) (laughs) Go ahead. Go ahead. Immediately, the hair on the back of my neck rose because one of the individuals on on the program says, firefighting has become inherently more safe over the past years because of the technological improvements of the fire gear. I couldn't get onto the station quick enough, and I didn't get through. The fire service, firefighting, because of all the man-made materials, is more dangerous than it's ever been. Yes, our gear is better. Yes, our trucks are better. Everything burns five, six times as hot. Uh, we've got manufactured beams in a building that once the temperature temperatures hit 600 degrees, the glue holding them together melts and these things collapse. So we got less time in a building. So to, to make that uneducated statement was totally off base. It's the service of firefighting in this country has become inherently more dangerous with the chemicals, with 
the way they're making buildings. It's just every day when you hear fire come in on our radios, you listen to the inflection of the voices, the people on the scene, the chiefs, the captains, the firefighters, and, and you can tell in their voice how bad the situation is. We just had one right before we came over here. And, it's, and the first captain on the scene, seasoned captain, you could tell we had an issue. So you're listening for certain clues. And the newer buildings are just tremendously dangerous with how they're loaded, the fire load. So the business of firefighting has become more dangerous. How, how many responses does the St. Louis Fire Department have in a year, Garen? Chief, I want to defer to you because we, <laughs> we got, we've got the numbers right over there. Ah. Yeah, the, just for the year 2018, our, our past calendar year, the St. Louis Fire Department responded to almost 96,000 calls in the city of St. Louis. That averages out to about 270 per day. Oh, Lord. That's and, incredible. And we've been holding those numbers for about the past 10 years. And maybe you've got these numbers. How many firefighter injuries are there fighting these 96,000 fires? Uh, well, I can honestly say that some of our injuries, our cost of injuries have gone down because we've engineered our trucks to reflect how we fight fire. We've, we've eliminated the need to climb on fire trucks. We brought all of our hoses down to hip height. So we looked at the ergonomics of fighting fire. We looked at the ergonomics of the injuries over the past 10 years and figured and tried to figure out how do we keep these guys from getting injured. And we could see the effect of it now because we've gotten two generations of trucks in in the past 10 years, and the guys aren't climbing on the trucks. All of their loading and uh, offloading of hoses and equipment is done at, on a more natural plane as opposed to reaching high or reaching over. So uh, we provided a reduction just by looking at how it fire trucks made and how our equipment's designed, how our coats fit. Things. So we've made a big change with that, trying to reduce all the injuries. We still have injuries, but... You still got to go into a burning building and you put still out run the in there, absolutely. And, and, I'll, and I'll say this, mm -hmm. uh, a huge shout out to, to the battalion chiefs and the officers and deputies, the leadership, mm -hmm. right? Because I go to a good number of these fires, and as you know, uh, over 50% of our, our fires are in vacant buildings, right? Uh, just because we say it's a vacant building doesn't mean that there, there's no one inside. So often we have to go inside, but I see such a tremendous job by, by the chief officers on the scene of making great calls. You know, there was the old saying, we'll risk a lot to save a lot. And initially you have to go in thinking that that building's occupied and they just do a tremendous job every day of keeping firefighters safe. And that, that definitely refre reflects on the reduction of injuries. We've only got a little over a minute left, but I wanted to ask you about the Fire Department Foundation too. What's, what's going on with it and how is it working? Fire Department Foundation, we started, oh, probably about 15 years ago with this. We've changed names. We went from the Life Saving Foundation to the St. Louis Fire Department Foundation. And they provide us with assistance in purchasing tools, equipment, training that we don't get through our regular budget. Um, we, they helped us with the cancer initiative. Um, their first push that they ever did was we bought AEDs, automatic external defibrillators, to put on all the fire trucks. Mm -hmm. We took that a step further, put them in all the public schools, and saved a couple lives the very first year. So we continue to buy the AEDs. Uh, we just finished purchasing uh, 20 12-lead defibrillators that we put on all the ambulances. So they help us buy equipment that is very expensive that we don't otherwise get with our capital. So um, it, they're a big part of the fire department. Um, like I said, they help buy the second set of gear that we're in the process yep. of purchasing right now. And we're getting ready to have a fundraiser on April 4th uh, at the Chase Park Plaza to help move that initiative along. 
Can people get information on that, Garen, online? www.stlfdfoundation.com. We will put the uh, link to that uh, site on our website at stlpublicradio.org. Got to stop it right here, gentlemen. Thanks so much for being with us, Chief uh, Dennis Jankerson. Great to see you again, and Captain Garen Mosby. Always a pleasure to see you both. Thank you so much. This is St. Louis on the Air on St. Louis Public Radio, 90.7 KWMU.